but for the average person out there, they've never heard this term. Jordan, explain to people what Illuminati means. Well, it comes from, <clears throat> the word Illuminati comes from the Latin word Illuminati or Illumin, which in, it, it means light. And so anyone who is enlightened or brilliant, and of course those who are the most enlightened are called brilliant. Well, it comes from Lucifer. Well, what we're really talking about here is Lucifer, the fallen angel, and they have picked up on this, the Illuminati. And if you take a look at some of the Chevys, now they're called the Illumin. Yeah. And they have the horns going up in the back of the of the vehicle, very subtly telling us that something is coming down by the year 2000. Well, as, as I was saying, it, it implies those who hold the light, the enlightened ones, and they, they sent us a statue, as a matter of fact. Those, uh, those ancient Illuminatis sent us a statue called the Statue of Liberty. It's holding the torch, the torch of illumination, which is the Promethean torch of Freemasonry. And if you go to the Statue of Liberty, you'll see a bronze plaque inside saying that this was given to the government of America by the French Grand Orient Temple Masons. And it is a symbol of Grand Orient Freemasonry in, in America, the holder of the light. That's exactly the same torch that is carried during the uh, Olympics. It is the well, torch it's of not Prometheus. The, it's not the, the torch of freedom. No, it's, it's not the, the torch, torch of freedom. of the, the Illumination. Illumination. So essentially, in a nutshell, then... why they pay athletes these fantastic salaries. I was listening to the radio the other day. They just contracted to pay one, one player or one team $6 million a year. And why is that? It's the Roman circus. What does the emperor do when the people become resty and when the people are asking questions and when the people don't like the policies of the emperor? He sends them to the circus, he creates a circus, he builds a giant coliseum. Then he begins to throw the Christians to the lions. He has great chariot races and football games and basketball games, all to keep the idiots preoccupied with things that don't mean anything in the scheme of the entire world. So that they don't have the time to learn what the truth is. It is the Roman circus. Everything you hear on this podcast episode is fair use, non-commercial use, Creative Commons license. Welcome back to episode 196 of the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. Well, we're coming up on the dog days of summer, mid-August. Hopefully everybody's staying cool. I'm doing my best to stay cool. Got a lot of uh, yard work and chores that I got to do outside and it's a little bit uh, overwhelming sometimes the way the heat when it gets up into that 94, 95 degree range, especially down here in this uh, South Carolina area. And you could feel that sun beating right on top of you. But it actually, in a way, feels good to the healing powers and that energy coming from the sun. It's kind of amazing. So, you know, you take it in spurts, you put in a little work, then you dip back in and have a little, little iced tea, rest for 10 minutes, and then you get back out there and get back to work. But it's... Yeah, man, it's really enjoyable, and I'm, I'm really enjoying the summer. And as I'm scrolling through social media, I'm noticing this real big hype with the uh, 50th anniversary of hip-hop, and you see Busta Rhymes, and you see, for some reason, uh, Chuck D from Public Enemy all over the place. And just, it's interesting because I kind of have conflicting feelings on this whole hip-hop 50th anniversary just because I did see it from its inception back in like mm, 75, 76 when it started coming up. And uh, I remember the first hip-hop song that made it commercially was Sugar Hill Gang, A Rapper's Delight. It was like a 12-inch single, and I remember that. It was 
pretty pretty amazing time all these things happening at the same time converging here in new york city or up there in new york city rather but the reason i'm conflicted with this whole uh, hip-hop thing is the fact that um it's a double-edged sword in that people say you know it's hip-hop and they're speaking on violence and robbing and drugs and everything that they're doing and then the position is yes and I'm guilty of it too because I listen to a lot of hip hop and I play a lot of it on here. A lot of it is, you know, has some really hard bars and you know, kind of on the uh, edge your side, you know. But they say, you know, when you listen to hip hop or whatever, it's kind of like you know, there's a lot of violence in it, but it's like watching a movie or an action adventure where you know there's shootings and stuff going on. It's just that it's in music form, you know, and so you're listening to a story or an epic novel. Uh, but in song format, again. So that's the one side of it. Here's where the problem lies. And I'm not preaching to the choir. I'm sure you guys are all aware of this, but actually a lot of people are not, especially in some of our inner cities. I, I always talk about the inner cities, man, and really all over the place now. But what happens is there are people that listen to this music and they put it into effect. In other words, they use it as marching orders to go out and commit crimes and violence and hurt people and incur really bad karma and under the guides of, you know, expression and, you know, this is what I'm listening to, so this is what I do and this is how I live my life. You know, I have no other options, so what do I do? I, you know, execute what I hear on, on the music that I'm listening to. You know, I go on the dark side and, you know, demon time type stuff and it's, it's bad, man. It's not good. So it conflicts me in the sense of some people don't know how to handle it. You know, it's like a tool in the right hand. You know, you could have a, whatever it might be, a hammer, and you could use it to build a house, or you can use it to tear the house down, basically. So it's, it's a lot to chew on, man, and it's a lot to comprehend. But what I'm seeing as I get into these, uh, as I speak of the layers of reality, you know, in the perceiving the layers of reality, I'm seeing that it's really being utilized right now. And I keep repeating this, and I don't want to be repetitive, so I'm, I'm taking different angles on it. But uh, it's it's uh, really hurting our society and hurting the world right now in that uh, people cannot handle this. Uh, any Actually, they can't handle anything because all, all that's happening right now is they're just acting on whatever's being presented in front of them. So if it's, you know, if it's the drill, if it's whatever, then they're going to execute on that or they're going to move on that so they can feel fulfilled. And, and again, you know, it's like the same combo, the same, you know, Air Force Ones. And this goes for white, black, Hispanic, whoever, Asian, whatever, you know, just everyone. Cookie cutter, you know, let's, uh, let's all fall into the, Form, fall into the same mold and do the same things and you know but yet we're original right so it is really conflicting man and and and, and they're waving this out there in front of you so that you don't see with the underlying decay of what's happening in this country right now so rapidly you know you know and my uh my heart goes out to everybody in hawaii uh, that had the devast devastating fires and people jumping in the ocean just to avoid the flames it's craziness this time that we're in right now but Again, I'm going to try to keep it on a positive note. So I spoke about this on earlier uh, episodes, but in 1991, this is alleged, you know, but it, you hear it all over the place, so there must be some truth to it. There was a meeting of the record labels where, I don't know if it was one specific record label or a number of them, but everybody that attended that meeting, they had to sign a non-disclosure form, an NDA uh, Forum to not discuss uh, what was discussed in the meeting under penalty of law, getting sued, or whatever, what have you. So, in this meeting, what they said was they wanted to promote this gangster rap music so that it would. They didn't say it directly, but they did say to promote the gangster rap music, but their intention was to create more crimes because what happened was right around this time, a lot of these. Um, Wacken HUD and a lot of these different, uh, I don't know if it was Wacken HUD, I don't want to slam to the wrong comp security companies, but some of these security guard companies, they started privatizing the prisons and uh, people were buying them uh, as investments, like, you know, like you invest on Wall Street, like stocks. But prior to them purchasing these 
privatized prisons that were being built right around 91, 92. They wanted to promise these prison companies or these uh, security companies wanted to promise that they would have 90 or 95% capacity. In other words, they wanted full full enrollment, full full population in the jail so that, you know, they were at full capacity so they were making tremendous profits. And the only way that they can do that because they, they didn't have all of that capacity to get people locked up. So they did the gangster rap, you know, that meeting in 92 where they encouraged gangster rap to get people to commit crimes. And bang, the prisons were filled. Prior to that, 92, if you were looking, you had different uh, groups like Tribe Called Quest and Public Enemy, uh, Brand Nubians, like a lot of different uh, rap groups. And they were coming, you know, uh, Diggable Planets and such. They were coming out with some real positive stuff, positive rap and just about life and bugging out and just, you know, living your life and what it is to be, you know, a young person you know, in this environment, in this time, you know, and, you know, just whatever, whatever young people are into. And that's what it was. And there was a dramatic shift right there. If you listen to the music, all of a sudden it went again to gangster rap and to, to, to demon time type music. And it's just been getting perpetually worse and worse because they saw this as an effective tool to utilize the youth through the music, through the hip hop. Again, this is why I'm conflicted with this whole 50th anniversary of hip hop. What they ended up doing is um, using this as a tool to oppress, you know, everyone, all races and everything, you know, because it's everybody's in on it now. And you you see the results of it right now, you know, with the crime and what's happening in New York City and all the major cities. So under the guides of entertainment, really, you know, under the guides of, you know, some fat beats and, you know, these bars and this is, you know, this is what's up. And... Uh, it's just, it's something that if you're not paying very close attention to, it's easy, you're easy to get misled, especially if you're a younger person without guidance, maybe without a father figure or with the educational system that we have now. And I'm not even going to get into the educational system as, as we all know what's happening with all of this gender identity and craziness, man. So you got to try to put everything in perspective. The sad part is a lot of people, they, they get misled with this, you know, they, Another thing I see that they do in addition to the rap, like this is like since COVID, like since 2020. Well, actually prior to that in 2016 when Donald Trump just got elected. And again, I'm not a Trump guy. I take him over Biden. As Joe Rogan said, he'll take, uh, Joe Rogan said he'll take Biden, uh, Trump over Biden. But the problem is right around just when Trump was getting ready to run for election, they started slinging mud at him and such, and uh, he, he got elected. But during his whole presidency, all they kept doing was trying to get him, what do you call it, uh, impeached, you know. And the whole fo- he, was, he was unable to execute on a lot of what he wanted to just, just because of all of the politics and, you know, the January 6th and all of this crap with the White House and the security guards opening up the doors for these people and they go in, but yet they get arrested for treason or whatever, whatever charges they put on them. So it's a real crazy time right now. And, but here's, here's my point. Here's what I'm getting at. What they do, and this is, this is their modus operandi. What they do is in order to maintain this mind control over the people is they need a target. They need someone to point at to say he's the bad man, right? So what they did was that bad man became Trump right now. So Trump is the bad guy. So anything like if there's global climate change or crime or whatever, you got to blame it on the bad guy. You got to project it out onto the bad guy, which in this instance is, is Trump right now. And, you know, it, 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 it switches around because it goes from being hint Trump to, you know, the white man, how the colonizers from 200 years ago, and, you know, this is all of the evil stuff that they did, so we have to blame it on them too, even though these people died 200, you know, 200, 300 years ago, and whatever they did, because the whole world is a whole massive colonization and people going after one another, in Africa, all over the place, in Asia, the Mongols, I mean, it's, that's the history of mankind, you know, it's, we just, been a violent civilization and a violent earth ever since its inception way back so that's why again that's why we need jesus in our life but 
uh, that's that's for another conversation. You guys know I'm Christian, and you know I've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, slain from the foundations of the earth, Jesus Christ. But again, that's for another time. So they need they need a target. They need somebody to blame it on, and with people's psychology being so simple, they bite into it and they shut everything else off. They go into cognitive dissonance and they don't see anything else, only what the new target is because, you know, the Democrats always have to come up with a new target to blame somebody new. Uh, and they don't know which way to look now. Now you're starting to hear chatter where they're criticizing Joe Biden and, and such, and they just keep going back. And I don't see anybody getting locked up. I don't see anybody from Epstein's Island's names being revealed, anything like that, or very few. You know, Hunter Biden, everything that he's done, all of the corruption, we hear nothing. They talk about it. You see these hearings in, in, in the White House and Congress or whatever, but nothing happens. It's all the same. So understand that this is just a big chessboard, and you don't even have a pawn. You're just a spectator while they're deciding, you know, how the whole planet is going to go. It's, it's, it's kind of a scary time. But again, I don't think they're going to be able to get away with this, what they're trying to do, because it's kind of, they're trying to... Sh do everything now at the same time they're in panic mode normally up until now they were moving very decisively one by one objective by objective you know and they were doing it but now they're throwing the kitchen sink at us and doing everything at once because they're panicking and that's not their style their style is to be very very methodical on how they do things so something to, to pay attention to i i know you know i speak about this on earlier episodes but some people get it some people don't get it but it's important you know, so yeah, that's my whole conf conflict with the with the hip hop and and the whole what's going on right now, right? And another analogy I'd like to use uh, or metaphor, however you know we want to phrase it, is like there's all of these different fishing hooks. So we're we're swimming in the ocean. We're the metaphor of a fish, and we're living in the ocean, and you know we are fish, and fish are us, and whatever, and you see they put all of these fishing hooks out and what's going to happen is you're going to get a, a dude or whoever person and they're swimming by a human, you know, metaphorically a fish swimming around and they're going to see a hook and it's going to have, you know, crime. It's another hook is going to have drugs. Another hook is going to have, you know, robbing people. Another hook is going to have greed and whatever it is. And it, what's going to happen is, you know, you're going to pass by the one that's drugs and you're going to pass by the one that says crime, but then you're going to bite on the hook that says greed or to hurt other people or Satanism or whatever it might be, because there's so many hooks in the water right now that you really can't bite on anything because it's all toxic. You know, it's all something that's going to destroy your life to varying degrees, you know, craziness man it's like there's going to be something out there that's going to get you like if if you sit i don't know how i got into subject but it um if you watch the show the view like with Whoopi goldberg and uh i forget the other one's name i can't stand her um joy behar and if you watch that show it's like it's almost like you would want to watch that show just to know what which hooks not to bite if that makes sense, right? Because they hit on all of these different points. And these are the marching orders that everybody gets, you know, all of these. And I don't want to get all political, but liberals and leftists and progressives and everything like that, they get out. And you know what? The, the, the Republicans and the conservatives are just as guilty because they're all controlled by the same puppet strings. It's, it's an illusion, good cop, bad cop, you know, BS. So, yeah, you watch the show and you see all of the different talking points that they hit so that... You get your marching orders for the day, and and you'll see a lot of the hooks exposed on that show. In other words, a lot of the things that are pu they're putting out there, a lot of the targets, a lot of the hate, and a lot of misdirection that they're giving us so that we can focus our anger on what they tell us to be angry at, if that makes sense, right? As opposed to building ourselves up. So what I want to do real quick, too, is get into some uh, something that will enable enable us to build ourselves up as you know i kind of pull from all different disciplines you know like last few weeks or whatever i've been reading up on uh, freemasonry and stuff like that not for the last few weeks i've been reading up on that stuff for years but you know they and again it's like the hermeticism 
and it's like uh, natural law and everything like that, where in the beginning, like Freemasonry also, in the beginning, a lot of the principles that they teach are very sound and very good. But then that draws you in because it's saying, hey, we're good and this is what we're about. And then once you get drawn in, that's when, because there's two different elements of it. There's what's called the esoteric and the exoteric. So esoteric and exoteric. So the esoteric is known by very few hidden knowledge, something that very few people are aware of that even they don't even know that it exists. It's very hidden, very occulted, you know. Uh, so that's the esoteric. The exoteric is something that's out for plain sight that, like, when you get into free, Freemasonry, the, the, I guess they call it the Blue Lodge. This is all public information. You can see it on YouTube and such. Blue Lodge is the first three degrees, Master Mason, whatever it is. I think the third, the third degree is Master Mason. What happens is all of that knowledge that you get in the first three degrees of Freemasonry are exoteric just general stuff that people know they try to veil it as it's hidden and stuff like that but it's pretty much common knowledge and such but once you get past that third degree it gets into the exoteric where they don't want you to know and it's hidden and very few people know it and they make a determination of how far up they want you to go but again I, it's putting that out there just so you can be aware of what is what they're doing to us and how this is taking place because there's very few people with very powerful knowledge that are able to manipulate us just because we do not have knowledge of self or the esoteric knowledge of self, right? So it's it's all population control. And what they're trying to do now is a whole depopulation with the craziness, man. I don't want to get too much into that again. As I said, I'm so shadow banned. But we're going to get into a couple of these teachings that I feel can benefit you because you know there's nothing better than using your enemy's ammunition against them you know that's like the best thing like if you were at war and uh you were shooting you know back at your enemies and they're shooting at you whatever like nothing can beat like grabbing their weapon and using it against them you know that's like the ultimate kind of uh kind of triumph you know because of the fact that you were able to do that so we're going to get into some of these teachings right now. And this is something that you'll see all over the place uh, in Freemasonry. You see the compass and the square, that symbol, that uh, iconic, whatever it is that you always see, like Freemason, you see that compass and square. But there's a lot of meat with the G in the middle. But there's a lot of meat, and everybody says that the G is geometry, and some people say it's God, and some people say it's the... the um, generative force so and it probably means all three of them who knows but when you look at it that uh, compass and square the whole purpose of the square represents morality and that freemasons need to square their actions by the square of virtue with all mankind then the compass then measures the ability to wisely conduct actions within certain boundaries so the first part to square it means you know you have you know there's no flexibility with this in other words there's there's ethics and morality and such that there's no flexibility with it has to be squared within that so that's kind of esoteric but you know it's kind of easy to understand the compass gets a little bit more interesting because what happens is and I've heard it explained many different ways but it's kind of kind of profound in that, you know what a compass is, is it, it, it's kind of a V-shape, but you can um, open it wider and make a bigger circle or, or, or close it down and make a much smaller circle. You know, it has that center point, which the pencil rotates around, so you can make a perfect circle to whatever size and dimension you want, contingent upon how open or close your compass is, right? So, what... Mankind needs mankind or womankind needs to stride for is know what you know to stay within your compass. In other words, draw your circle to not exceed the limits or limitations that you have upon yourself, right? Be aware of what your capabilities are and keep your circle tight in that restricted zone 
or within that range that you're able to exercise and operate within, right? So don't bite off more than you can chew, basically, is what the uh, compass is. So it's kind of interesting, you know. So again, you know, you, you, you can get knowledge from a lot of different things. I mean, truth is truth. Uh, it, uh, and the truth is like a lion that does not need anybody to protect it. It walks around boldly and because it needs no one to protect it. That's exactly what's happening right now because there's so many lies being perpetuated that they're constantly having to switch gears and find new enemies and new targets to point that so they can put the blame on. And it's when when they do the blame, it's like right now it's going to be climate change, it's going to be cattle, it's going to be farmers, it's going to be people that produce foods with these food plants mysteriously blowing up. I mean, it, it's there's so much, but they need always need somebody to blame and be aware of that, and that's what's taking place, and that's what they're trying to do to us. They they really have us at a third grade level. You guys need to go back and listen to an old episode of mine, an interview with uh, Yuri Bezmanov, and that was in episode 150. So now we're going to jump to another topic. Again, this is stuff that I've spoken about before, but it's it's kind of hard for me to just... Uh, I, there's a lot of podcasts that I listen to and people talk about, you know, French toast versus waffles and stuff like that, which is cool, you know, if you're into a good breakfast and all that, but I, I really try to hit on substance and I try to hit on the meat of what it is... Uh, to live, you know, a fulfilled life, you know, so I, I'm going to hit on topics and subjects that are very meaty and very um, close to what makes us tick, to put it in the best way I could. So this other topic that I'm going to get into that I've spoken about before is the Federal Reserve Bank and our monetary system, the way it works, right? So our and this tells you a lot about everything right now that what we have. And what it is, is as of, there's a book called The Creature of Jekyll Island that was written by G. Edward Griffith. And it's about a secret meeting that took place Christmas Eve on Jekyll Island, uh, 1913, which started the Federal Reserve Bank. And oddly enough, in that same meeting on Jekyll Island, they formed the IRS. So in other words, the IRS is to back up the currency by debt or by the taxpayer obligation to pay that debt. So I'll get into it. If you heard of it before, if you heard this before, fine. If not, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that haven't heard this. So the way our monetary system works right now, and we have the reserve currency of the world. So basically all business on the planet is transact transacted in American dollars to a greater or lesser degree, right? So Here's what it is. Fractional reserve lending. If a bank has, let's say, $10,000, they're able to loan out $100,000 in loans where they make profit on, even though that money doesn't exist. Now, my understanding is the way that this came about was back in the, I don't know about medieval times, but actually maybe even going back to the Knights Templar, if I'm not mistaken. It might it might be going back almost, uh, you know, 1,500 years or a thousand, a thousand years, maybe even back to ancient Babylon. They may have called it money magic, I think. I'm not sure. But back in those times, people, the real money was gold. And what would happen is people would um, have this gold. They'd have a few little coins of gold or whatever. And they would be afraid because somebody's going to come in and rob them or do whatever. So they would take their gold coins or whatever they had and bring it to for safekeeping to... I guess you would call it like a lockbox type system where you would have a guy with a safe and he had like security and he would take care of your gold. So you would hand him, let's say, three gold coins of a certain weight and he would give you a little written note that was um, your rece their receipt, your common receipt for both of you guys that he's holding this gold for you. So when you present them back with this note, he will give you your coins back. Or if you want one coin... He'll scratch it off and update it and say, you know, I still have two of your coins. You know the whole nine. But what was happening is with these with these people that were holding the gold is that they were noticing that this the the safes were full and people would rarely come to take the gold. And usually only about one tenth of the gold was reclaimed back. So ninety percent of it was sitting there dormant, not doing anything. So they said, you know, let's do this. They started taking that uh 
that from that 90%, they started loading it out, making loans on it, making profit of it. And nobody was the wiser of it, you know? So it was a fractional thing. So into the future now, 1913, what they did was they set up a fractional reserve lending system or fractional reserve monetary system whereby uh, they were able to lend out, um, again, for every $10,000, they were able to lend out 90% more of what they had than what they actually had in reserves. So a, a person with, you know, $100,000 could low, make a million dollar loan, even basically, even though they didn't have the money. Okay. So here's what ends up, here's how this works out in real time. You get a young married couple, they go to the bank and they want to buy a home and the home is, let's say $300,000. So they go to the bank, uh, bank guy and they're like, Hey, you know, I want to borrow $300,000. $300,000 and they type that money into existence. It's created out of debt, out of the taxpayer's obligation or the, or the borrower's obligation to pay this on this debt. You know, that's the instrument that they use. Money's created out of debt. So they loan you this $300,000 that they just typed into existence. You go buy a house, right? So now every month you got to make mortgage payments, on and you know mortgages mort is French for death a death note I think it's called so you make these payments every month to them and what they do is they they make the profit off of that interest that they charge you right so if you look at that first mortgage payment and they do it in a real deceptive kind of way because let's say you, every month you have to pay a thousand dollars a month for your mortgage right when you make that payment I would say. From that thousand dollars, nine hundred and fifty dollars of that, nine hundred and fifty dollars of that thousand dollars is all interest. It's called um, amortization table. You have to look it up, but it shows a schedule. So that first payment that you're making on a thousand dollars, nine hundred and fifty dollars of that is interest, and only five percent is principal. So only five percent of that, uh, or uh, fifty dollars basically, is taking your your, your loan down. So that it's going to take you 30 years to pay off. So when you pay off that that $100,000, in actuality, you're paying off close to like a half a million dollars or something like that because of the fact that it's – because your first payment is going to be $950 and then $50 goes against principal. Your last payment after 30 years, $950 is going to go against principal and $50 is going to only be interest. See, it's like it's a reverse amortization. Some – I guess it's not that hard to understand, right? But basically what's happening is they're creating money out of thin air. Now, here's the other thing. Let's say you stop making your mortgage payments and the bank repossesses that house. Guess what? That house becomes the bank's property, right? And they own it and it's an asset for them. And again, they, they, it came out of nowhere. So how, how, how does this work, you know? How does this, how does this happen? Now, back in 1913 on Jekyll Island when they started this fractional reserve system. The other thing that they did was they created the IRS and what the IRS was formed to do because the IRS is not a government agency. It's a private agency. And what they do is they guarantee that the taxpayer will pay off any debt that the government writes. In other words, we are the, uh, what is it? The debtor of last cause or whatever. There's a term for it, right? But we're ultimately responsible for all of the debt that is taking place and you know where our debt is right now you know it's craziness i saw the other day something on yellow trucking company where you have people that have been working there 30 years and more and now they have no pension because yellow trucking basically swindled them and never really invested their retirement money they lost it all and they went bankrupt and now these people have no pension which is kind of crazy and i don't know if they're 1099 employees i don't know if they were paying into their FICA paying into the Social Security, I don't know, like, whether they're going to be able to collect on that. I don't know. There's so many questions, you know, but you're living in a world of illusion, my friend. You're living in a world of illusion. Nothing is really what it seems. I always say it, but it's true. You need to forget everything that you've ever learned. Forget it all. Go back to scratch and rebuild your paradigm. In other words, re integrate or re-look into how you view the world because nothing is really what it seems like we've been just given lies okay deception and it's it's craziness man so yeah
Just wanted to touch on those points, man. supposed to mean it's poetry the poetry of war there is something to be learned from a rainstorm when reading with a sudden shower you try not to get wet and run quickly along the road. By doing such things as passing under the eaves of houses, you still get wet. When you're resolved from the beginning, you will not be perplexed, that you will still get the same soaking. This understanding extends to all things. Some time talking about sorcery and magic. So, what is magic? Is it mind over matter? Or matter over mind? Is it having control over others? Is it having control over yourself? Is it uh, being in harmony with what is? Or is it anything which impacts you on all levels at once, energetically, emotionally, mentally and spiritually? And uh, Michael, in almost in all your DVDs, presentations and writings, there is a central theme of the uh, conflict between sorcery and magic and uh, today maybe we can dive deeper into this it uh, seems that you mention a lot uh, that the world is under influence of some very powerful sorcerers either if it's through the subversive use of symbol uh, symbolism through the media we have brainwashing and mind control techniques we have cults and fashions uh, or even pharmacopoeia right 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 and thank you for having me on again and covering this uh, particular theme, as you say, because it is a big theme in my work. Uh, I've long wanted to really get into it in greater depth. I don't think it's something that people are too familiar with, because again, you know, people tend to have a very false understanding, especially of what magic is meant to be, the way that magic has been portrayed in books and the movies and so on. And it's, you know, uh, it's not so good to always break things down to too simple uh, you know, components, I guess, I, but I'm a believer that most of the the secrets of life are simple, you know. I mean, we know that politicians break things down simply, but that's because they don't want you to think, you know. I do want people to think, but I think it's accurate to break things down into polar opposites in this way. Life has been described as a great game of chess, you know, or, uh, the conflicts that exist. And sorcery ma equals magic or sorcery versus magic I, is my particular way uh, of categorizing you know, the world's problems, I've always seen it that way. Mm. You know, I grew up, uh, my mentors were people like George MacDonald, C.S. Lewis, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, you know, who definitely helped me understand that uh, you can divide the world into those categories, mm. you know, of, uh, of sor sorcery. Uh, of course, when I mean sorcery, I mean a perversion of magic, mm. a perversion of natural operations of the universe. But, uh, you know, we have to also connect it uh, with what I've said so many times before, is that uh, if there is such a thing, you know, a sorcery in the world, uh, we, we have to f sort of understand not that it exists, but how did it come into existence? Why is it there? Mm -hmm. So in a way, this is about, we talked about this earlier, this is uh, an expression if we were to compare sorcery ver versus magic or the differences between them. Uh, we talked a little bit about... Uh, the inauthentic life, and of course the uh, the the ego, and how recent that is, and so forth, and yeah, and even the, the the loss of self. And I guess you would attribute this more to the sorcery aspect of 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 uh, the the problem, or how we should view it, than than the magical aspect of it. And why not dive into talking a little bit more about sorcery uh, right away, and kind of define what that is, and and how it works, and so forth. Well, sure, and you know, you hit the nail on the head because, again, if, if something exists in our world, it's good to know that it exists, but why does it exist? You know, you have to be also under sorcery. 
you know, the, the, somebody can be uh, manipulating you, but you also have to be susceptible to that manipulation. Mm -hmm. You know, so my job is not really to pull down the sorcerers from their ivory towers, you know, in that type of, uh, you know, let's storm the ivory tower situation. Mm -hmm. It's more about uh, letting people wake up themselves. The sorcerers are put out of business the moment that you cease to be under their sorcery. Mm. You know, my mind goes back to the very, very, very fantastic scene in the movie Conan the Barbarian. I wish people would actually go and watch that movie with educated eyes, in which the um, anti-hero, of course, anti-heroes are always very interesting people, he's describing to Conan, the protagonist, how much power he has and that it's not the power of the sword or the steel, you know, particularly mm -hmm. it's the power of the flesh or the hand that wields it. Yeah. And yeah. to demonstrate this, he literally calls one of his, their followers who throws herself off the tower and jumps to her death. Mm. You know, when he beckons her and then he turns to Conan and says, that is power. This is power. Mm. So, OK, you know, if, if you're a self, well, you ain't going to be jumping from no high tower. You're going to go, hey, mate, go stuff yourself. You go and jump. <laughs> but if you're willingly, in whatever way, wanting to be manipulated, you can be led by the nose. Yeah. You'll see tiny little children, no more than three or four years of age in India, leading these ginormous buffaloes, mm. the size of which would almost astound you. Enormous buffaloes by the nose. A little three-year-old kid with a stick, you know, can mm -hmm. prod these along. You'll even see them prodding elephants along. So, you know, the size of the human race, anyone who studied, you know, secret societies know that the Albert Pikes and the Sydney Webbs of the world, they look at the whole world as one neck for one leash. Mm -hmm. They don't, they're not, uh, you know, dissuaded by numbers. <laughs> Did it look to you that the Bolshevik, you know, government setup was worried that in Russia was one of the largest countries in the world or that there was so many people, how are we going to control them? Mm -hmm. Nothing could have been easier. They yeah. just use the right talismanic words, you know, and and the crack the right size whip and everything happens. So the sorcery is absolutely dependent on people being fragmented. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I've said it so many times, it's the fundamental key of my work, but, you know, it definitely bears repeating, is that how did that fragmentation come into existence? I believe that 13,000 years ago and down through the different millennia from them, there has been humongous, you know, changes in the world awful spectacles of devastation that have traumatized not only individuals but entire tribes. Mm. I've even gone to the length of saying that what we know to be consciousness, the human ego, as you were hinting there, is, is a very recent creation. <laughs> Most people don't think about thought. Most people don't think about consciousness. They just think they have it every morning. Mm. They never even question what is thinking. They don't sure. question, you know, here we are trying to affect the world and we don't even know what thought is. <laughs> well, you know, what is the anatomy of the ego? You can tell that a body is going to be defined by a torso, a head, a two arms and two legs, and a hand is defined by a, you know, a palm and five fingers, or a species of butterfly. Everything has an anatomy, but but consciousness has no anatomy. Of course it does. Mm. But what is that anatomy? How, what what are the divisions and of consciousness? What is ego? My reading of it is that ego is a form of consciousness that was created out of trauma. Mm. But it was created out of trauma, which means it's terribly weak. It's terribly fragmented. It has incredible capacities. It has unbelievable focus and, uh, and strength in many ways. But it's also at its root very, very weak and very shaky. Mm -hmm. And therefore, a shaky edifice, um, anything that has inherent impotency, can be controlled, yeah. can be manipulated. Habitat can be influenced. An animal need not even know that its habitat is being influenced, but its behavior, its attitudes of life, its its entire uh, actions, waking actions, can be manipulated by the slow manipulation of its habitat outside its peripheral vision. Mm. A gorilla, or ants, or any kind of you know, we accept that this happens in life. When it comes to animals, how come we don't accept? Will the human race ever wake up? <laughs> I wish that the human race could just get as far to accept a simple premise. And that, that there is uh, environmental ambient control taking place that you're not aware of. Mm -hmm. Teaching instruction happens one-to-one, -one, right? You're manipulated in school. Well, there's your teacher. You can see the teacher. Mm -hmm. The parents instruct you as to how to do this, that, and the other. That's one-to-one. That's -one, you know, the military boot camp major is going to tell you how it happens. Mm -hmm. You know, what you're going to do. This is in-your-face control, you know, signposts in the street. But we've got to realize that there's this other kind of control. And the human race needs to wake up to realize these, these, form, these subtle forms of control and why they're all so successful. Mm. So the weak ego, I believe, is, um, or the, let's put it another way, the lack of selfhood. Yeah. The lack of selfhood that has arisen is your responsibility. 
So yes, there's the responsibility of the sorcerer and those who think that they have the right to control your life. That's a huge problem in life. But I want to focus much more in my work on the fact that individuals are permitting this to happen by their, you know, um, their, their own weakness, their inner split, their inner division. Yeah, their, their search for an external safety or yeah. an external uh, yeah. a component in reality that is more um, structured in yeah. a way, maybe. The scaffolding. What happens to a rotten mansion when it's going to crumble down? You immediately got to prop it up. Mm. You know, we've talked of before about those famous Salvador Dali paintings in which you see these big, mm. you know, masks, these, the fleshy faces propped up on these little crutches. You know? yeah. And we know that a person who's, you know, got problems with weak legs, you know, they'll put on the stabilizers and what have you. So man is itching psychologically for these stabilizers. That's what Dali was talking about, that, that uh, man needs psychological uh, braces. I want to take those braces off. Mm. You're not going to talk about any kind of social or constitutional freedom. You're not going to hammer it into existence legally or constitutionally if it's not inside a man mm. internally. Yeah. So the, there's a need for it yeah. also in a way. And there's the need for the... The scaffolding for mm -hmm. the for the uh, yeah you're talking is that what you mean that there's a need for this uh, bracing? Yeah, exactly, and and also <clears throat> you know now the the potential uh, discovery of this and also the removal of it that, that when people feel uh, insecure and so forth that this is uh, this is obviously a good thing you know. But I want to see that insecurity. I'd much rather see the insecurity of a child who is learning the miracle of riding a bike mm. when the stabilizers are taken off mm. as much trepidation and potential you know fear of danger i'd rather see that because it's 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 coupled with learning it's coupled with the exhilaration of not being able to take the you know the, the stabilizers mm. off yeah. and have that fantastic experience of riding your bicycle at full pelt you know it's a sense of freedom yeah. i'd rather see that trepidation than the cowering trepidation of a scared impotent fragile you know, schizophrenic individual cowering under the staircase of the mansion that they, uh, belongs to them, mm. shivering in the corner of the, of the palace that you know that they need to begin exploring, yeah. which is the palace of being, the palace of of the self. Mm. You know, because the, the the seventh wonder of the world and the first wonder of the world is is the self, and every form of sorcery and every form of uh, anti magic, every Sauron, you know, mm. every Saruman, every every demonic. Uh, politician or entity or priest or politician or pope or pharaoh who um, is hell-bent on the control of, of human minds wants to erase selfhood and is an artist, an artisan, a specialist, a technocrat, um, an absolute uh, skilled artificer of the methods of entropy. Mm -hmm. There's not one, you see, knife that you know eviscerates selfhood it's many it's a machinery it's a yeah. toolkit it's 101 ways of doing it and that's what this you know that's what my work has been all about is that in some way uh, try to address these tools in the same scientific way that anyone would want to do if you're studying any particular thing like a computer you've got to only not study what the computer is but what are the viruses that could attack those programs you mm -hmm. see because mm -hmm. you know you may make a wonderful computer the greatest programs in the world you may you may creatively do that uh, but then you also have to defend it against those pathogens mm. that could erase your work. Mm. So there's a, we have obviously you know, a physical immune system and so forth, but there is also a psychological immune system, I guess, yeah. then. And that's the most important one of all. And it's the least taken care of. Mm. In fact, should a psychologist, uh, it's within the realm of psychology that you find people who are the greatest warners, people who've tried to strengthen our immune system psychologically are basically psychologists with a few philosophers thrown in. Nobody wants to listen to them. Hmm. They're considered cranks themselves. As soon as you start talking about self-food, as soon as you start talking about psychological immunity or psychic sovereignty or, or psychic hygiene, as I like to put it, uh, you're, you're completely ignored. Hmm. Artie Lang, Freud, the list goes on. They've not only chronically misinterpreted what these people have said, they've misinterpreted them, they've mistranslated them, and they have, uh, the, the well, of course, they, they go up against the sorcerers. So yeah. the sorcerers want to diss these people as fast as possible. Hmm. And all sorts of negative labels, you see, will be put on them. Because, again, you know, what is art? What is music? It's stuff that strengthens your creativity. Yeah, and it, and it is creativity or an expression of your creati self creativity. Your selfhood, yeah. yeah. This is... this is the, Because the creative person has an idea of self. Hmm. So if people are wondering why there's not that much creativity around today, uh, there's a reason. It's because it also has to go south because self is going south. Hmm. Collectivism is in, individualism is out. And uh, 
But going back to the very important thing of the, the misnomers, the fallacies, the phony way that magic is presented to us as some sort of wand-waving thing mm. or that magic and sorcery is based on gaining power. You're a secret little Wicca cult and you dabble and light candles and incense because you're secretly wanting sexual power or you know mundane power. Yeah. This has got to go. The magic and sorcery I'm talking about has nothing to do with that. In fact, uh, sorcery specifically is not born out of egohood, but the opposite. It's born out of the selflessness again. Again, mm -hmm. watch Star Wars. Darth Vader, as powerful a magician, uh, a sorcerer as he is, is a puppet of the Emperor. Mm -hmm. yeah. the, the Emperor is a puppet of the dark side of the Force. Saruman, Sauron, uh, they don't even show in the book or the film Sauron. Sauron's an empty, all his, all his legions, right? Mm -hmm. The orcs are faceless minions, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Without individuality. His riders, the nine riders, the nine kings, are literally faceless ghosts. Hmm. They're even known by the name of Wraith, yeah. which second translation means nothing, an emptiness. Hmm. An emptiness. Uh, Thulsa Doom and Conan the Barbarian talks about the great emptiness. Hmm. So people have to get this out of their mind that any kind of magic, you know, dark magic, dark sorcery, hmm. is sort of an expression of my, my selfhood, my egohood. Hmm. It's a lack of self. Hmm. So these George Bushes and Cheneys and Thatchers, you see, and all these people that I consider sorcerers uh, uh, who are in slavery to this form of sorcery are selfless. Hmm. It's not. We've got it completely run the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, sure. A little tiny uh, person can cast a big shadow, so mm -hmm. we may be thinking the shadow is enormous. But the fact of the matter is that no, these people have lost themselves. I think we spoke about this on, an, on another show, in which the you can look at it in two ways: the, the either these people are possessed by dark sorcery, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. that they've let go of their selfhood into the sorcery. They've mm -hmm. immersed themselves in the ocean of nothingness, hmm. of near of that nirvanic. That obsession, mm -hmm. that drive, you see. But mm -hmm. either way, it is a selfless entity that deals in sorcery. Mm -hmm. The person who's of self would never ever deal in it because it deals in the manipulation of other people. And if you're a self, how mm -hmm. would you want to do that? Mm -hmm. Didn't Socrates say to harm another is to harm oneself? Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. My website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. My Instagram is alphamalebuddhist. And check out my YouTube channel, Alpha Male Buddhist, and that's on YouTube. It is the podcast accompanied with video clips that integrate exactly with the podcast so it's motivational and inspirational i also have promotional t-shirts if you go to my website alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com you can see the promotional t-shirts there reach out to me also if you have any show notes or any suggestions that you would like to hear on the podcast just reach out and see if i can get that done i've been getting some really Great emails and feedback from my listeners, which is great. So I want to thank you for listening and namaste.